Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of the Fortress of Rock. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane. Glad to have you aboard here in the chilly, frigid upper Midwest of the United States. It is February the 4th, 2022. Hope you guys are getting ready to have a fantastic weekend. This is episode 25. We're going to try something a little different this week. We're going to skip the music breaks. As much as I love them, they do limit the audience that the Fortress gets. So for this week, maybe for the next few weeks, we're going to just do content with some basic generic transitions between segments. See if we can't pick up some more listeners here on the podcast. And as always, check out our Facebook page. I just set that up about three weeks ago. Music videos off of YouTube. Fun stuff for the weekend. Our weekend rock project. New Music Sunday. Lots of good stuff. So check out the Facebook page for the Fortress of Rock. So, of course, as always, we start off. Segment one is News of the World. Our tribute to Queen and Freddie Mercury. Now, we've been talking about this whole Spotify, Neil Young battle here over the last week or two. For those of you just dropping in for the first time, let me refresh. I hate censorship. I am all for free speech. I also despise Neil Young. So this argument about Joe Rogan and the podcast on Spotify, and now he's got Joni Mitchell joining him, Nils Lofgren, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Graham Nash, Indy Ari, they're all joining forces and they're dropping off of Spotify because they don't like what Joe Rogan says about COVID-19. Again, a brief recap. I don't believe anything Joe Rogan says when it comes to COVID-19. Neither should you. He's not a doctor. But if you can't make that split-second decision for yourself, you actually are going to Joe Rogan for medical advice, then you get what you deserve, in my opinion. That being said, that does not give Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and the hippy-dippy assholes in CSN the right to censor what he says. Unless we're talking about a situation where there is immediate danger involved, the classic example, yelling fire in a crowded movie theater, you have time to research this. If you hear something stupid that Joe Rogan says, you have time and you have the option to go research with the internet, with all these technological tools at our disposal. We can go look 
and verify and double check to make sure something somebody is telling us is right or wrong. Neil Young does not have the right to censor Joe Rogan. And I'm finally I'm happy. It's, it took almost two weeks, but finally you're seeing Kevin James, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Troy Aikman coming out in support of Joe Rogan because it doesn't matter if what he is saying is right or wrong. What matters is defending free speech. And that's what we are about here on the Fortress of Rock. Go all the way back to Tipper Gore trying to persecute Twisted Sister and Judas Priest and Ozzy Osbourne. She doesn't have the right to censor their music. Now, here we come full circle again. Different circumstances, but it's the exact opposite in terms of the fact it's the rock and roll old school Hall of Famers who are being censors or being old grumpy ass fogies who don't understand what they sang for, what they fought for with all their protests in the 60s and the 70s. I am firmly entrenched on this. Do not tell me that they have the right to censor somebody, especially given their history. If you do research on Neil Young or you do research on Joni Mitchell, you will find out they have said some awful, nasty, stupid, terrible, homophobic, racist stuff. Now they're the paragons of virtue. And you wonder why I don't like Neil Young. Joni Mitchell doesn't even warrant my attention. Is how little I think of her and her music. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, we all know they were just a bunch of dope-smoking hippies. Who were overrated vastly, vastly overrated. The only really good song that they put out that I liked was written by Jimmy Buffett. Southern Cross. I am not a child of the... I was born in the 60s, but I am not a child of the 60s. You can tell that. I am a child of the 80s. I embrace the 80s mentality of hedonism, partying, rock and roll, having a great time, ignoring politics, ignoring the strife and the stress that the world puts on us every day. And if Neil Young and Joni Mitchell want to immerse themselves in it, even at the age they're at right now, acting like they are some kind of, they're pariahs, they're martyrs for the cause, they're idiots. Sorry, they're idiots. And they're censors and they're hypocrites. Now, I have said, when it comes to the COVID situation, I think you should really look long and hard at getting vaccinated and boosted. I have. 
The government's not putting chips in me. The government's not trying to make me sterile. But I appreciate the right of people who don't want to get vaccinated. Let's talk about Kid Rock. Now, last week we talked about the prices of his tickets and how he can be a hypocrite when it comes to him being a, a man of the middle class, the man, a man of the lower middle class. Yet he charges outrageous ticket prices for his shows. But now he has come out and said that he has avoided scheduling shows in states and in cities where they will they will force people with vaccine mandates and mask mandates. Part of me admires that. The only qualification I will put on that is if you're vaccinated, you should not have to wear a mask. I would prefer if I go to a show with 20,000 people that everybody is, is vaccinated. If they're not, they better damn well have a mask on. So I'm kind of in the middle on this whole thing. There's a balancing act involved here between public safety and the individual's rights. Other touring news. Get away from this whole COVID garbage. Hopefully in a couple months here, once the winter months pass through, everything will settle down. The surge will go away. And maybe after two years of this crap, we'll be done and we'll be able to go see concerts without having to worry about postponements and cancellations. Now, that being said, a couple guys have health issues outside of the realm of COVID. Billy Idol, who was supposed to open for Journey on the first part of Journey's upcoming tour, he's had to drop out. So Toto has stepped up. They were supposed to be the opening act only for the second half of the tour. They will now be the opener for the entirety of Journey's upcoming 2022 tour. Steve Vai, Guitar Wizard, recently disclosed that he had to postpone his tour from January all the way back to September here of 2022 because he screwed up his shoulder pulling a pizza out of his pizza oven at home. Now he's had issues in the past with his shoulder. A lot of people out there, you know, have a trick knee, bad hips, especially those of us getting older. Those of us who grew up in the 70s and the 80s, yeah, we're, we're starting to feel it a little bit all the way from your feet, all the way up to your shoulders, your neck. 
So I get it. It's just kind of a comical story that Steve Vai puts out there that they had to put his tour on hold because he pulled too hard on getting a pizza out of his pizza oven at home. If I could take a rock and roll uh, trip, you know, I've always said I, I want to go back to Las Vegas one last time when there are a couple of really good bands in residency out there. Make a week of it. See a couple really great shows. Now I'm thinking maybe as much as I despise California, I need to go out to L.A., for the 50th anniversary of the opening of the Rainbow Bar and Grill. Of course, David Lee Roth did a great song in tribute to Eddie Van Halen on his passing somewhere over the Rainbow Bar and Grill. It's a hangout on the Sunset Strip for all the rock bands back in the 80s. All the hair metal guys, there's a statue of Lemmy from Motorhead on the premises. Stories are that Lemmy wanted to get a apartment as close as he could to the rainbow so it would be within walking distance. On April the 24th, 2022, they will be having their 50th anniversary party. going to be about nine hours from what I've seen, about one o'clock in the afternoon till 10 o'clock at night. Two drink minimum, classic. Otherwise, it's free to get in. Steel Panther will be there as well as Stephen Piercy of Rat. Eddie Trunk hosting, of course. My hero. Again, if I were a rich man, I would spend the money, get out there for that event. And if you're out there in California, if you're out there in L.A. and you are a rock and roll fan, you need to be there. Again, April the 24th. Aerosmith. Are we going to ever see Aerosmith tour again? They've just had to cancel their summer tour over in Europe due to COVID concerns, travel concerns, understandable. So right now they've got one show set up at Fenway Park in Boston. Of course, their home city, along with Extreme, coming up this summer. But otherwise, doesn't sound like there is a lot of enthusiasm in the Aerosmith camp for a farewell tour. Of course, money's involved. Somebody writes a check for a big enough amount, they'll do it. We've seen Kiss. We've seen The Who. We've seen Skinnerd. All recently. Well, The Who, you know, you can go all the way back to the 80s. The Who started doing farewell tours and then said, nope, nope, forget that. We're coming back five years later, ten years later. 
Skinner, Kiss, they're just putting on three, four-year-long farewell tours. <laughs> so I, I have a feeling that at some point here, if not 2022, 2023, we will see an Aerosmith farewell tour. Of course, the big news this week in rock and roll, and this is what's going to take up the rest of segment one, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the final cut, is coming up. I don't know if you call them semifinalists, but 17 performers are now eligible for the last round of voting to see who will get in for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I hate the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I know Jan Wenner isn't in charge of it anymore. Now it's John Sykes. He's now the chairman. I'm tired of the political correctness involved. I'm tired of the rock and roll snobbery. It's almost as bad as the Baseball Hall of Fame. At least with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they have to get five acts in every year. Unlike baseball, who can choose not to put anybody in. I've got to believe at some point, 20, 25 years down the road, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame might be better off taking that attitude. Because once they end up catching up, and I know they're still playing catch-up, there's still a lot of great bands out there, still a lot of great performers out there who they have not inducted yet. But at some point, when they catch up, they are going to have to stop putting five acts in every year because it's diluting the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But of course, all they'll do is they'll just open it up to different music genres because that's what they've been doing over the past 15 years or so. Hip-hop, rap, country, adult contemporary. Hey, let's put it all in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's why the name should be changed. It is not the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anymore. It is the Music Hall of Fame. Change the name, and then we won't have problems like what I'm going to talk about here with the 17 finalists for this year's class of nominees. So let's go through these, shall we? First two should be in no doubt in my opinion even though they've botched the voting for both of these acts time and time again year after year after year judas priest and pat benatar you can make the argument we've heard it from priest we've heard it from iron maiden 
the lack of heavy metal acts in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Does it shock me? No, again, because we're dealing with a bunch of morons who are running the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm not saying there should be a couple dozen metal acts in the Rock Hall of Fame, but there should be more than the few that they have. Especially when we get into this list and we look at some of the awful, terrible, ridiculous nominees that they decide to put forth. Pat Benatar is the queen, in my opinion, she's the queen of rock and roll. All apologies to Tina Turner. Again, not talking about Joni Mitchell or Janis Joplin. Jokes. The only person who comes close to Benatar is Tina Turner, maybe Joan Jett. But Pat Benatar has been criminally overlooked for years and years and years. And she needs to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now, along with Judas Priest. Now, the other 15 acts is hit and miss, depending on your musical tastes. Personally, I, I was glad to see Duran Duran make the final cut. There are some people that don't think Duran Duran qualifies as rock and roll. That's fine. I can accept your argument. But then again, looking at some of the other musical stylings, other musical artists that we're talking about in the rest of this list, don't tell me you can't put Duran Duran in when you're dealing with some of these other artists. Personally, Duran Duran, I would put them in as well. Rage Against the Machine, they're going to get in at some point. I can't stand them. I can't take Zach De La Roca. He's not a singer. He's not a vocalist. He's a rapper. The other three members, I love them in Audio Slave when they actually had a real singer with Chris Cornell. Rage Against the Machine, not one of my favorites. Begrudgingly, I admit they are going to go in. I wouldn't vote them in. The sad thing is they're better than a lot of this other stuff we've got to look at here in the next couple minutes. First-time nominee, and I guarantee he's getting in immediately, not rock and roll. Not rock and roll. Eminem is not rock and roll. I don't care if he's top 10 all time when it comes to rap. He's not rock and roll. And the fact that he's getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before Foreigner, before Iron Maiden. And again, I guarantee he's going to get in first, first ballot. It's a joke. It's a damn joke. Iron Maiden, Foreigner should be in well before Eminem in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Devo, you can make an argument. They deserve to be in, but I look at it as really one song. You take away Whip It, 
what what was their influence on rock music? Quirky, new wave, alternative, flower pots on their heads, yellow raincoats. I, I mean, they had a little bit of an appeal, a certain appeal. But again, outside of the groundbreaking, I will admit groundbreaking video for Whippet, subversive. The sexual innuendo is just fantastic. Anything that tweaks conservative minds like a Tipper Gore, I'm all for it. So Devo, I could see going either way this year. Two influential rock bands, the New York Dolls and the MC5. I wouldn't have a problem with either one of them making it. Then we really get into the garbage. Then we start with Beck. I can't stand Beck. One of the most overrated artists of all time. Him and Radiohead. Oh, God, the the praise that the critics heap on these, these acts. Beck, Radiohead, oh, my God. Just enough already. They're not that good. Then we've got a tribe called Quest. Give me a break again. Not rock and roll material. The Arrhythmics. Not. I respect the Arrhythmics. They had a lot of great hits. Are they really rock and roll, though? Kate Bush. Cannot understand the appeal of Kate Bush. Really do not understand why people think on this panel that Kate Bush deserves to even get close. She shouldn't even get admitted as a visitor to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yet she keeps making the final cut, getting closer and closer to getting in. Dionne Warwick, come on. Great, easy listening, great adult contemporary music. Not rock and roll, again. Do I really even have to talk about Fela Kuti? Do I really even have to? If you can't figure out from these last few rants and raves about how I feel about bands and acts that aren't rock and roll, getting in or even getting close, getting a whiff of getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And then Dolly Parton? Are you kidding me? Dolly Parton? Everybody loves Dolly Parton. She's not rock and roll. Good Lord. Lionel Richie? Friend of mine and I had a great argument last night about this. We both agree. Put the Commodores in. If you're going to put an R&B act in, Put the Commodores in before you put Lionel Richie in because the Commodores were 10 times better than Lionel Richie as a solo artist. Finally, Carly Simon. Again, what are you doing to me? 
So she has one hit song complaining about her love affair with Warren Beatty. And then she has one other hit song from a James Bond movie. So she deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I've mentioned Foreigner. Kansas is still out there. Motley Crue is still out there. There are so many bands from the 70s and the 80s. Ted Nugent. That should be even... These people shouldn't even be considered the ones that I mentioned earlier. Ahead of Nugent. Kansas. Foreigner. The Crew. Rat. Give me a break. Of course, in May, we will find out who makes the final cut and who gets into the glass triangle. Sitting on the mistake by the lake, Cleveland, Ohio. All right, that's segment one. As I mentioned, doing things a little differently this week. No music break this week. You're going to get a generic, quick music transition. Take you right into segment two breakdown. Again, trying to get some more people interested, trying to get some more people involved. We'll see how it all works out. Segment two coming up right now on the Fortress of Rock. Hey, all you rock and roll fanatics out there, welcome back to the Fortress of Rock, episode 25, taping here on the 4th of February, 2022. Glad to have you aboard. As I mentioned in segment one, doing things a little bit differently this time around. Might carry this forward for the next few weeks, see how it works out, trying to expand our audience. So we're taking out the music breaks, which of course limit us to Spotify. I do not understand why it's so hard for people to just download the Spotify app, listen to the podcast. You don't have to listen to the songs. You don't have to pay the extra money, but it seems like it's caused nothing but problems when it comes to us getting out there and reaching as many people as we possibly can. So here for the next week or two, we're going to use these generic short music breaks, non-trademarked, that Spotify passes along to us as an option as podcasters to use to transition from one segment to another. So segment two here normally is breakdown in tribute to Tom Petty, where we do the meat and potatoes part of our podcast every week. We review concerts, new albums, new songs, Kind of slim pickings this week. Now, we do have new music coming up. The Red Hot Chili Peppers just announced today 
a new album coming out April the 1st, Unlimited Love. I'm not the biggest Chili Peppers fan in the world, but I do like them. So we'll give you a full review of Unlimited Love after it comes out on April the 1st. This week, we have got two new songs, one from Brian Adams, the fourth release off his upcoming album, So Happy It Hurts. Never Gonna Rain just came out here within the last week or two. I have been cautiously optimistic about what I've heard so far from Brian Adams here on this new album. I feel like Brian Adams betrayed me going all the way back to the early eighties. Oh, I just rediscovered lonely nights, a great, great hidden gem, a lost nugget. His first hit, I think it barely cracked the top 40, but it was a precursor of things to come. And then of course we got reckless Cuts like a knife into the fire. Then that's where I get to the point where I feel like he betrayed me. He did that terrible, awful, goopy ballad for the Robin Hood movie with Kevin Costner. And he sold out and started to do nothing but generic adult contemporary music for a long, long time. He forgot how to rock. Maybe, hopefully, possibly, he's gotten it back. He's found his mojo again. Because I have pretty much liked everything so far I've heard. from the upcoming new album. Now, Never Gonna Rain might be the weakest of the four songs that have been released so far. But it's not bad. I'd still say it's worth a listen. I don't know if I like the gospel tinges to it. The female backing harmonies are a little bit odd for a Brian Adams song. But in the end, Never Gonna Rain is not a bad song. Check it out. See what you think. I'd still prefer Kick-Ass. I still love Kick-Ass. And that's the spirit, the energy that I'm hoping for when So Happy It Hurts comes out. The other new song we've got for you this week, Mike Campbell, formerly of the Heartbreakers. Of course, Tom Petty passed away years ago. So Mike Campbell has put together his new band, The Dirty Knobs. And I have to admit, this is the first I've really listened to from them. I know they've got stuff that's come out in the past. New album coming out, External Combustion, on March the 4th. Wicked Mind is the song that just got released over the last week or so. It's a little creepy how some of these guitarists, bands, 
gravitate when they lose their lead singer. Either they leave, they pass on, unfortunately, as is the case with Tom Petty. But Mike Campbell has got a guy singing in the Dirty Knobs who sounds eerily similar to Tom Petty. Now, Mike Campbell, of course, great guitarist. His guitar work on this song, Wicked Mind, is fantastic. The only complaint I have is that you can tell it's not Tom Petty because the songwriting is very generic. The lyrics are very... Uh, uh, you could write them down. A third grader could write them down on a napkin in the cafeteria at school, and you're not going to get anything too far off from what you're getting here with Wicked Mind. I just... It's, there's something very rudimentary about the lyrics, very generic, that I just think drags the whole song down. Despite the fact it has a ton of energy and, again, great guitar work from Mike Campbell. Now, if I had to pick between these two, between the Brian Adams song and... The Dirty Knobs, I'll take the Dirty Knobs. Just a little more energy, a little more straightforward rock and roll. But both songs are pretty good, worth listening to. You make your call, drop me a line, send me a message, check out our Facebook page. Let me know what you think. So once again, we're trying to do things differently this week. So unfortunately, that's all we've got in terms of new music reviews. Once we get into the summer, of course, I'll have concert reviews for you almost every week. But we're still about a month out before I will have a show to review for you. Mid-March, I will have Greta Van Fleet. Late March, I will have Mammoth, WVH, and Dirty Honey. And then we go on to the summer. We've just got a ton of stuff lined up. We've got Bon Jovi. We've got rescheduled shows with Billy Joel, rescheduled shows with Doobie Brothers, the Foo Fighters, Tom Kiefer of Cinderella. The summer will be fun as long as... Our government doesn't freak out anymore about COVID. So again, you're going to get a generic little snippet of music here to get you by. Then we'll be back with segment three here on the Fortress of Rock. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Fortress of Rock. I'm the maestro, Kevin Crane. Glad to have you aboard. February the 4th, 2022. Segment three, as always, is I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. We look at anniversaries of classic album releases and moments 
in rock history and birthdays of some of our most revered rock idols, rock gods. In this segment, I always say I have to give props to the two sources that give me the ideas. However, the opinions attached are mine and mine alone, ultimateclassicrock.com and thisdayinmusic.com. So let's start off with birthdays. The great Alice Cooper, born on February the 4th, back in 1948. He is 74 years young, still out there on the road, rocking and rolling. He and Sammy Hagar, those two guys just seem to be able to defy father time. Now, you could say the same thing about, of course, Keith Richards, but Sammy Hagar and especially Sammy, but in a way, Alice Cooper as well, seem to be just as energetic as they were 30 years ago. They are letting the music fuel them, feed their fire, and keep them young at heart. So happy birthday to Alice Cooper. Of course, we mentioned Kansas in segment one. One of those rock bands that's criminally underrated, who I think should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. One of their founding members, Phil Ehart. He turned 71 today. Wasserman, one of the members of The Offspring, 59 years old today. Love The Offspring, one of the few bands that I've always wanted to see that I have not gotten to see yet in concert. Cannot wait. Of course, Let the Bad Times Roll came out last year. Really good album. Not great. Not fantastic. I am not a fan of the slowed down orchestral version of Gone Away. That's a little bit of a sellout to me. But there are a lot of other good songs on that album. So hopefully the offspring are not done yet. And I will get a shot at seeing them down the road in concert. Significant moments in rock history on this day, February the 4th, 1992, Alice in Chains released Sap. I was not a huge Alice in Chains fan coming off the first album, Facelift, didn't care for it. I still think Man in the Box is one of the most overrated grunge songs of all time but sap is where they seem to start to find their footing and then of course that led into dirt by far to me their best album of course in 1977 one of the biggest albums of all time was released fleetwood mac put out rumors 
I am not a Fleetwood Mac fan by any stretch of the imagination. They are vastly overplayed. We've got a station here where I live that plays Fleetwood Mac or Stevie Nicks. Seems like every 30 minutes you're getting either a Fleetwood Mac song or a Stevie Nicks song. It's like comfort food, I guess, for classic rock radio. Fleetwood Mac is. But you can't deny the fact the album is really well done. It's really good. Kind of a shame that Lindsey Buckingham and the rest of the, the band can't resolve their differences. It's just not quite the same now, Fleetwood Mac, with Crowded House kind of melded together. Interesting when you think about it, though. The Eagles kind of did the same thing, but of, of course with the Eagles it was more because of death. Glenn Fry passes. So they bring in Vince Gill, famous country artist, to fill the gap, along with Glenn Fry's son, of course. In 1978, I know we've talked about the fact, especially in segment one, I'm not a big fan of trying to put in music other than rock and roll into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So here's where I'm going to be a hypocrite for the next couple minutes. is because even though I expect the standards for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to be higher, here on The Fortress, I like to acknowledge other musicians in other genres. I've, I've said here on the past, maybe a month ago, how influential the soundtrack for Saturday Night Fever was to me growing up. So on February the 4th in 1978, Staying Alive hit number one on the U.S. charts. No, I did not have a black t-shirt and I was not brandishing devil horns when I was 12 or 13 years old. I was actually embracing disco, pop, R&B. I was a big fan of Casey and the Sunshine Band I love the Commodores. We talked about them with respect to Lionel Richie and his candidacy for the Rock Hall of Fame. And I did love the Bee Gees. Now, of course, a couple years later, I was exposed to Van Halen and ACDC and John Mellencamp, and I was gone at that point. I'd found my path I'm still on that path to this day. But you'll never hear me disparage disco. You'll never hear me disparage the Bee Gees. For a lot of people out there, they were a very important part of growing up, a very important part of being exposed to different types of music, because the 70s, above all else, the 70s 
was a potpourri of different musical styles. And that's what made the 70s great. Now, I will always go with the 80s. I prefer 80s music. Again, a different kind of mixture, a different kind of potpourri. But I've always admired the 70s and the wildly different types of music and how I thought they reflected our society and how we would, we were getting along. I'm sorry. I can't stand the way things are right now. Everybody's divisive. News networks, television shows, movies, always trying to divide us, always trying to pull us apart. Whereas I thought in the seventies and the eighties, we actually were together. I thought we actually did care about each other, regardless of race, creed, or color. And of course, that all ended with the OJ situation. It all ended with the stupid woman pouring hot coffee on herself at the McDonald's drive-in, opening up frivolous lawsuits that we're still fighting to this day, trying to get past, trying to get over. Nineteen eighty-three, on this day, Karen Carpenter died. Way too young, of course, died of anorexia, complications from anorexia. One of the best voices in music. And again, not rock and roll, I get it. Call me a hypocrite. I'm not saying I want the Carpenters in the Rock Hall of Fame. But you can't help but appreciate the voice. Same thing from segment one, talking about Dion Warwick. Phenomenal voice. Phenomenal performer, just not rock and roll. And again, 2016, on this day, going back to what I was saying about the 70s music that I loved. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Maurice White. Band leader for Earth, Wind, and Fire died on this day in 2016. And again, I defy anybody out there who really enjoys music. And of course, headbangers out there, people who listen to Disturbed or Breaking Benjamin aren't going to get this. They're not going to understand this. But it's kind of like somebody who listens to that music and also likes Taylor Swift. Broaden your horizons. I've had people say I'm a music snob. I don't think I am because of the fact that I love bands like Earth, Wind, and Fire. As I mentioned, love the Bee Gees. Respect Karen Carpenter. Respect Dionne Warwick. Again, has nothing to do with who I think should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But overall, in terms of music in general, I respect them. And then finally, 2017. Here we go. Back to the metalheads. And I will put forth blasphemy here. 2017 was the final Black Sabbath concert on this day, February the 4th. 
I didn't like Black Sabbath. Never did. Never will. I just don't. I like Ozzy solo much better than anything I ever heard from Black Sabbath. I get tired of the whole death, pentagram, evil stuff. That's a construct. That's marketing. I'm sorry, it is. Slayer. Come on. Can we just get over it? It's like Kiss wearing their makeup. It's a marketing tool. And I just never got into the whole Black Sabbath thing. Never understood the appeal. Yeah, Iron Man's cool. War Pigs is okay. But I, I just never understood why they were always revered as metal gods. Just never got it. Never understood it. To me, when Ozzy went solo, Blizzard of Oz came out, that, that was the moment where heavy metal clicked with me. Blizzard of Oz was fantastic, better than anything I've ever heard from Black Sabbath. Give me Blizzard of Oz, Diary of a Madman, Bark at the Moon, any day over anything Black Sabbath put out. I don't care if you're talking about Ozzy. I don't care if you're talking about Ronnie James Dio as lead singer. You can look at Ronnie James Dio. I'll take his band, Dio, any day of the week over Black Sabbath. All right, so that wraps up segment three. I want to go back again. I'm going to try this again. Some generic, quick interlude music take you through to our wrap it up segment where we'll talk about the things we're going to review and discuss here in the coming weeks. This is the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane, and we'll be right back. All right, it's time to wrap things up here on the Fortress of Rock with the maestro, Kevin Crane. February the 4th, 2022, of course, wrap it up, is a tribute to the fabulous Thunderbirds. This is where I am going to tell you what to look forward to in the coming weeks here on the Fortress of Rock. We mentioned the Red Hot Chili Peppers have a brand new album coming out, the first single off of Unlimited Love is Black Summer. I will have my review of that for you next week. Coming up in a couple weeks, we're finally going to have some new albums. We've got a, a decent amount of new stuff coming out in February, March, into early April. The first two, Eddie Vedder's solo album, Earthling. Slash with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators 4. Those albums both come out next Friday, the 11th. You have to give me a week to listen to them. 
So on the February the 18th episode of The Fortress of Rock, I will have reviews of both of those albums for you. Of course, down the road, we've got Tears for Fears coming. Brian Adams, who we talked about earlier. Just mentioned the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Supposedly, at some point here in 2022, Sammy Hagar and the Circle have a new album coming out. So we get back into things once the weather gets a little warmer, gets a little nicer. Birds start singing. Grass starts growing. Flowers start blooming. And we get more new rock and roll to talk about and more concerts to review. So once again, I'm glad you hung out with me this week on the Fortress of Rock. Format shift, as I've mentioned all throughout this episode. We're going to see how this works. See if we can expand our audience, hoping to get out there to everybody who listens to their podcasts on Apple and Google and some of the other great outlets out there. So let us know what you think. Check out our Facebook page. Drop us a line. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane. Glad to have you aboard on the Fortress of Rock, especially if you're checking us out for the first time. Feel free to go back. Listen to the previous 24 episodes. Yes, you do have to have a Spotify account, but no, you don't have to pay for premium to listen to the first 24 episodes of The Fortress of Rock. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Listen to some fantastic music. We will check you out next Friday night here on The Fortress of Rock. Take care.